Matthew chapter 25. Um, this is a parable that I've read before, but uh, it's a parable that I've been thinking about a lot um, in the last couple of weeks. Matthew chapter 25, it's the parable of the, the talents, and I do want to read it all again. Um, so Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. That's Matthew 25 and verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man travelling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto every one he gave five talents, sorry, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's quite a parable, and there's actually a lot of Aspects, and I'm sure as, you, as I was reading through that, you can see a, a lot of um, analogies in that, and how they can apply in many different what parts of our life. But the, the word of God, the idea of the word of God, is to challenge us, right? And that's what I want to talk about today: is a challenge. And this parable of the talents. People are given talents as per their ability, and everyone has different abilities, so they are given different talents. And the challenge, this is what God's doing, is challenging us. The challenge is to use those talents that you then may gain more. And it's a pretty serious challenge. 
Like this challenge, it's kind of in your face, this parable, because the challenge is if you are given talents and you don't use them, that you bury them, whatever else you have will be taken from you and given to someone else and you'll be cast into outer darkness. What a challenge. That's a phenomenal challenge. It's time to pause and sit back and think, well, blimey, this is big. This is a big thing. God is trying to challenge us. It's not being all like soft and gooey and saying, oh, no, you're okay if you don't do anything. Oh, you're okay. Yeah, well, so-. No, he's trying to challenge us to step up and use what he's given us, to use it and trade it that we may get more. And that aspect as well is like uh, using what he's given us, those, these talents, whatever they are, that we may get more. And, and as you use them and you get more and more, that equals growth. So that's what I was thinking as well. Is like, okay, God's trying to challenge us to grow, right? To use what He's given us, and um, and even like even in the natural sense, when we are challenged to do something that we don't think we can do, or uh, we think's too hard, or even even <laughs> something we think's boring. You know, like I look back on my own life and think, oh, that's a droll. Do I really have to do that? But you apply it and you get results. Whatever it is, it's a challenge. The Lord wants us to do things and use what he's given us. He's challenging us. And for us to grow, we are challenged. We're pricked, to a, a, which then leads to more growth. And, uh, and this parable encapsulates that and, uh, and encourages us and challenges us. To, uh, to use what he's given us, that we may grow. So a couple of um, Old Testament stories. First uh, Samuel chapter 17 of um, people chosen by God that were challenged. Okay? So First Samuel chapter 17. And this is the time of King Saul, the first king anointed of the Lord to rule over his chosen people. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekar in Ephes-Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the other side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. Sorry, on the one side and on the other. And there was a valley between them, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants of Saul? Choose you a man for, choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. 
And if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So this bloke, uh, Goliath, he's challenging. He's challenging God's people, challenging Israel. And what was their response? They were dismayed. They were afraid. But the challenge was there. And we go down to verse 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. For 40 days, he comes out every day, morning and evening, challenging God's people. And what are they? They're dismayed and afraid. They're not doing anything. They're not seeing the blessing of the Lord. They're just sitting there um, being afraid of the challenge. And that, that's a true thing. We can be afraid of the challenge that even the Lord puts before us. Verse 20, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went. And Jesse had commanded him, as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army, again. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. It's like David put it into perspective. It's like, why are we afraid of this challenge? It's an uncircumcised Philistine. There's no God with him. God is with us. You know, putting it into perspective, that when there's challenge, where the Lord wants us to do stuff, put it into perspective. We've got the living God with us. What is that? And, and that's what David did straight away. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You know, how dare he defy uh, the armies of the living God? Over to verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armour and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armour and he essayed to go. He tried to move. For he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. 
and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog? Like he's insulted, like this, this child really in his eyes, that thou comest to me with staves or sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. So again, that challenge is, is always there. The Philistine's challenging David. And David uh, has already got it into perspective. It's like, no, the Lord's already won the battle for me. And it goes in verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day would the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So he's stepping up to that challenge, and then the testimony spreads. And that's what happens in our life as well. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the challenge, the army, to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into the forehead and he fell down upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. And, uh, and then after that, a great victory. So a great story of someone who sees a challenge but knows the Lord's with him and the Lord will help him. Another one, 1 Kings chapter 3, the story of uh, David's son, Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5. So this is, um, there was a little bit of um, upheaval about uh, the handing over of the throne to Solomon, and that was all settled and established. And uh, Solomon is established on the throne. He'd sought out a few loose ends from his father David. And, uh, and we get to this point uh, in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out 
ought to come in. So Solomon sees this thing of ruling over God's chosen people as a challenge. He feels within himself he's a little child and he can't do it. Now just imagine if he ran away from that challenge and just uh, lived his life quietly and left it up to uh, one of his uh, siblings to rule. But, um, but he prayed to the Lord, look, I don't know what to do. You know, uh, I'm just a little child. How? He probably had a high regard for the wisdom of his own dad, David, and he's like, how can, I, how can I do that? How can I be like that? All the nation of Israel followed him because of this, this, and this, and this. I don't have any of that. I don't have a clue. So he, this challenge... And, uh, and like I said, if he walked away from it, he wouldn't have seen the blessing of the Lord. But he's praying to the Lord. And it says in verse 8, And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. You know, he asked this thing, help, Lord, can you help me? And uh, I don't need to read any further. We know the story of Solomon, that uh, Israel was the greatest under Solomon, greater than even under David. Uh, it, It excelled and prospered, you know, wonderful moments of peace and wealth because Solomon um, um, did not shy away from the challenge. He went with it and prayed about it. He saw that uh, he wasn't good enough, but he prayed to the Lord that the Lord would help. One more, Judges chapter 4. A little bit of a different story here. So the book of Judges, this is before the time of the kings of Israel, where uh, the Lord raised up uh, an occasional judge here and there to guide uh, his people. So Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud, Ehud was a previous judge, was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Harasheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. So Deborah was chosen by God to be the judge of Israel at this time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel, in Mount Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river of Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. 
And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honour. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. We'll stop there. Uh, And there was an amazing battle. And Sisera was, as um, foretold, was delivered to uh, the army of Israel. But but their glory was given to the wife of Jael, who ultimately uh, slew uh, Sisera. Glory was not given to Barak himself. So here, Deborah is speaking on behalf of God. She's a prophetess. She's judging. And so her word is speaking on behalf of God. And there's a challenge to Barak. She is saying to Barak, look, the Lord has chosen you to go and lead the army. And he didn't. He didn't want to. It's like, no, I'm not going. It's too hard. I'm not going unless you come with me. Like he could tell that Deborah was chosen by God. And so he wants kind of her to come with him and help him. And um, if he uh, went with the challenge, he would have been given the great honour. I mean, it was a great victory for the people of Israel um, because Deborah was this, uh, this wonderful judge and wonderful prophetess, that, uh, that was a great leader in that respect. But the, the honour did not go to Barak. He missed out on that because he shied away from the challenge. And uh, whereas if he did step up to the challenge, like with David and Solomon, he stepped up with the challenge, he would have received great honour and it wouldn't have been to, uh, given to, uh, to Jael's wife. Okay? Second Timothy chapter 1. And there's many more. I mean, the Old Testament's full of stories like that where people were chosen by God, uh, handpicked by God to deliver his chosen people, to do marvellous and wonderful things. All the prophets even, Isaiah, Jeremiah, he didn't want to do it. Amos, he was like, oh, I'm just a, a farmer from back whoop whoop. Um, I can't do it. But, uh, but the Lord helped them and they, uh, they accepted that challenge. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We have an important passage here for us to remember. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So a great passage here because, yes, the Bible challenges us and uh, uh, it makes us kind of um, stand back and assess and uh, challenge us to be refined and to have our walk in order. But the Lord doesn't want us to be afraid, okay? Don't be afraid of that challenge. He's given us this power, love and of a sound mind that we can step up to the challenge and, uh, and not be ashamed. And then I went down to verse 9. It says, he saved us. He's called us with a holy calling. 
not according to our works, but according to our purpose. Okay, we have a purpose in life. Uh, we have a wonderful purpose, and and uh, for us to, to to be refined and to grow in the things of the Lord, and uh, and to understand that, hey, look, the spirit of fear doesn't belong with us. It shouldn't be there. Well, yeah, we all get afraid, but it doesn't come from God. It comes from somewhere else. And uh, and but we have from God. Power, love and of sound mind, knowing that there's a purpose God has put us here for. He's given us talents. He's got more available for us. That's part of the purpose. And, uh, and for us to accept that challenge, not with trepidation and fear, but with excitement of what the Lord can do for us and with us. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, says elsewhere, without wavering even. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay? Whenever we're challenged by the Lord, whenever we're challenged in everything, we're in a time of need. Just like Solomon, this time of need. You know, and, uh, and what's, what's the advice? It says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. The throne of grace. Where's that? It's on our knees. Speaking in tongues, that's the throne of grace. We come boldly. Okay, Lord, there's this challenge. You want me to do this. I therefore need to do it. I pray to you, this God of grace, uh, have mercy on me. Help me in this time of need, just as he did for Solomon. And, uh, and we started there that we have a great high priest that is not distant, but he's close and understands our feelings and uh, our infirmities, and he understands the all points that we are tempted. He understands all that. So let us not be afraid in this time of need to really pray to the Lord to help, because he wants to help. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. First Peter, chapter 2, and uh, we'll start in verse 1. It says here, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We've all tasted the Lord is gracious. He, uh, he saved us. He filled us with the Holy Spirit, even though we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Uh, there's no way we could achieve salvation, righteousness, um, uh, purity before the living God. There was no way. But he gave all that to us, that he, he, he's called us to be a part of his purpose. And, uh, and so as newborn babes, 
continue to desire the sincere milk of the word. And, and I like that, that word desire. Okay, desire. Has desire diminished in us? Have we been so distracted by other things in our life that our desire has been covered up with other concerns or other things that get in the way? Let that desire come back and bubble forth. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Desire that, that the things that you so desired when you were first illuminated, you first received the Holy Spirit, and my goodness, what a great moment that was. You started to realise that, hey, I'm right before the living God. I'm home. I'm amongst family, as we heard in testimony. I'm where the Lord needs me. See, again, that's a, a source of great peace. Is like, I'm where the Lord needs me. He doesn't want me somewhere else, like doing other things. You know, um, uh, he wants me following him. So have that desire the sincere milk of the word, the sincere milk of the salvation, the sincere milk of, um, of what God has on offer for us. Let that desire bubble up that we may grow thereby. Our talents may multiply, not have that fear. And um, if so, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Look back on your own walk, your own uh, path of uh, following the Lord, how gracious he is. How marvellously gracious he is. And we heard in testimony, like, um, we're, we're, we're dumbfounded, aren't we, what the Lord does for us. Like, ugh, jaw-dropping. Wow. Amazing. I was thinking of, um, you know, the, the caravan as well, testimony, and uh, that person coming up with all everything. <laughs> yeah, just we're dumbfounded, aren't we, what the Lord does. And uh, uh, he's gracious. We've tasted his gracious and reciprocate with uh, meeting those challenges. Um, over to verse 9. But ye are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light, which in time past were not a people. We were destitute. We were scattered. We, we didn't belong. But are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having a conversation honest amongst, among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Excuse me. And this whole point of us being challenged is, uh, yes, for us to grow and acquire more talents, but another wonderful point is testimony. You know, that, uh, that indeed we follow the guidance that's written here in the Word for us to read and to pray about, speak to others for understanding, you know, that, and it's asking us to be honest amongst everyone, uh, our actions, that uh, even if they do speak evil against us, that uh, it's not because of uh, how, um, like, that we are doing bad things. It's that we're following the Lord. It's, uh, and then when they see how we act, it's that great testimony that they glorify the Lord. And they may, if they are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, come to the fold. 
So stepping up to that challenge and uh, being refined and, uh, and acting in a way that the Lord's asking us not to act. Uh, when, um, when they speak evil of us, not reacting in a way that comes from the flesh, but reacting in a way that comes from the Bible, that uh, they may stand back and say, that person's different. You know, that, that was a challenge that was put before you and you acted differently and you, people noticed you were different and, uh, and will glorify God. Uh, penultimate scripture, Matthew chapter 10. Just one verse here, Matthew chapter 10. And verse 16, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, it says here, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Jesus has said it. We, uh, we, we wander about on this earth, you know, as, as a testimony to the Lord. And it's true. We are like sheep amongst wolves. Now, what survival rate would a sheep have in a pack of wolves? Well, unless you knocked all the teeth out, it's not going to be very good. So that's where we are. And so as a result, the advice is he wants us to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. It's funny how he's chosen a snake to be wise here. But what's a snake? A snake slithers around under in bushes, just careful, you know, that, that wisdom and gentle as doves. Um, just in my own workplace, they, um, and Ali was really good to encourage me that uh, uh, I had um, a boss who um, wasn't very good. Um, he'd embarrass me in public in meetings and he'd constantly say, oh, why would you do that and why would you even think that? You know, as if I was um, 10 years old and, uh, and it was demoralising. And, um, and then... Something happened in his life, and after that, he completely switched. It was just amazing. I'm still trying to get used to it. It's still weird to me uh, that this person has completely changed. I get SMSs late at night saying, look, I'm really sorry with what happened today. You know, such and such shouldn't have said that. It's just weird, but it's the Lord that's flipped it. And what was wonderful in that time when he really wasn't that good to me um, my natural inclination was to just yell back. But the Lord asks us to be um, wise as serpents and gentle as doves and pray not to be afraid, not to be afraid of that person or afraid of going to work and just waiting for the Lord to change it. And look, I had no idea, of course, how the Lord would change it, especially in such a dramatic fashion. I just thought I might have been moved around a bit or he'd be moved around a bit, but He's still my boss and he's great. I actually, uh, I'm stunned. He also, another thing, he, he used to pick on the fact that I'd have Mondays off, you know. And I'm like, oh, come on. I'm bored of this. But anyway, now he's the opposite. He's like, no, Mondays are your day off. You can go for it. He completely understands why I do it now. He completely, he's even applying it in his own life. You know, isn't that amazing? It's like... There was this challenge put before me and it was the Lord that fixed it up. All he asked me to do was to be as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. And he did it all. You know, if I backed down and then uh, just quit and left it all, 
which I used to do, uh, left it all behind, I wouldn't have seen this amazing blessing of the Lord. You know, uh, it's just glorious uh, what the Lord does for us. Last scripture, Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. It rounds it off really well. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, be challenged. Step up to the challenge. Pray about it. God will answer And then you'll see great and mighty things as you grow and acquire those more and more talents that the Lord gives us. And you get to see and understand and behold amazing things. You know, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. When there's a meeting, go. Because whenever you miss a meeting, you miss out on stuff. You miss out on something. Uh, in that meeting, uh, go to the outreaches, go to the prayer meetings, go to the prayer and fasts, you know, like do stuff, travel to other assemblies. That's amazing. You know, um, be challenged and don't back away from it because when you call unto him, he will answer and you'll see great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. You know, I just on that work example, I didn't. Of course, I had no idea. I had no idea at the start of what mighty thing the Lord would show me or what I would see. And what a glorious thing it is. It's just so fantastic when you step up to the challenge with the Lord to help you and, uh, and you see great and mighty things. Okay, thank you.